Broadcasting from Manhattan Beach and the World Wide Web, you're listening to chsrhealthylife.net. As a service to our listeners, this program is for general information and entertainment purposes only. chsrhealthylife.net does not recommend, endorse, or object to the views, products, or topics expressed or discussed by show hosts or their guests. We suggest you always consult with your own personal, medical, financial, or legal advisor. Get ready for Mind Shock with Dr. Ron Dalrymple, the premier podcast in the world bringing you hidden truths about your mind's incredible powers. Get ready to free your mind. Everybody, welcome to Mind Shock. Dr. Ron Dalrymple, the show will take you to the outer limits of your mind, as far as those might be, and to the inner limits, which is the true final frontier. Think about that. The true nature of understanding our world, our reality, is within, not without. Our theme for the show is evolution of the supermind. Yet you all have a much higher conscious within our goal in life. I would say is to pursue that and to evolve that into a much higher state, a much higher set of frequencies. It takes on much more energy, which actually changes our identity and our true nature, or the real, I should say the realization of our true nature. Now, years ago, I started at NASA, of course, as just a kid, 17 years old, fresh out of high school. Started going to college, University of Maryland, playing math and physics. Being at NASA was a great, great thing because we were putting people in space. Astounding thing for the time. Well, it still is, really. We had people there from all over the world, great scientists gathering together with great minds working to try to achieve the impossible, make the impossible happen. So people of high idealism, yet profound pragmatism. And, of course, we made it happen. It's still happening now. I launched people into space, or he's going to Mars, other planets and whatnot. It's really astounding. So as you're in a culture of creativity and discovery, science, and there's also kind of an art to science in various ways, in any case, I was studying psychology classes in Maryland starting my the end of my sophomore year. And by the first semester of my junior year, I'd taken a couple of classes, and I had this kind of astounding revelation that you explain the modern theories of psychology with the theories of math and physics, calculus, and especially topological mathematics and quantum physics, the ways to put it all together. So I started researching that. The idea is if the mind is an energy field that transcends the physical brain, the true final frontier is inner space, the exploration of the true powers of mind, because everything goes through our mind, right? Whatever you perceive about the world, where you think is real about the physical world, comes to the perception of mind. So mind is at the core of the whole issue. So our mission is to take you to the true outer limits of inner space, to your true outer limits. We can discover much greater things about yourself and your capabilities, your creativity, your powers. So think about that, the outer limits of inner space great paradox. Now, in today's chaotic world, there's a revolution going on, sweeping the planet slowly, gradually, quietly at times, not so quietly. People reaching out, people wanting to discover the true nature of life on this planet, what we're doing here, what our purpose is. A mind revolution, a spirit revolution that is changing everything. 
fact, revolution is going on for millennia. Spirals of growth and setbacks, growth and setbacks. As many folks who have history, the various luminaries have worked to try to bring greater light to Earth. So whole new theories of mind are now coming out, which turn old science on its head, old science upside down, which does not make them very happy. They're three-dimensional and limited, the physical senses. And believe me, a lot of these folks object to these new ideas. In fact, their first response is to ignore them and pretend like they don't exist. We're developing new models of science that consider n dimensions as n approaches infinity, such as quantum field psychology. That was our keynote theory put out in 2004. Quantum field psychology puts it all together into a whole new paradigm of thought. In the case, looking now at some luminaries throughout history, we've been on some parallel journeys trying to make new discoveries and dealing with a world that doesn't always want to hear it. It's often reactionary, suppressive, even tries to destroy the creators to keep the status quo in place with the egos that are always in control at some level. Now, some of the greatest minds in history and science help change the world. We're talking about and one of the most powerful and one of the most unknown is Sir Francis Bacon, I've mentioned before. I'm going to talk more about him. He's one of the greatest minds in history, yet largely unknown. He created, for example, Novum Organon, which is a book he published around 1620, which proposed a scientific theory that we use today. So he put together science. He's also a brilliant writer. Much evidence shows that he wrote the Shakespearean plays. He was a true author. He kept it, keep it hidden. We'll talk more about that and why. He also wrote many other books, such as the New Atlantis, proposing a whole new world based upon those higher principles, which, of course, involved the discovery of America. And he helped found America and the freedoms of America. He felt helped to found the people created the Constitution, Declaration of Independence. He sent people over here. He trained in London to help do all that in their 16 generations. The accomplishments have been astounding. He truly helped change the world. He says as a kid he wanted to change the whole wide world, and he really did. So massive, massive impact. Before him, there was the, the first organum created by Aristotle who classified all of nature. So for 2,000 years, Aristotle was considered to be the great scientist, the one you went to to understand science because he studied the nature of, of the world and so forth. He looked at plants and animals and whatnot, wrote extensively about that. He wrote many books about philosophy. So he had basically an approach of arguing various theories and ideas, so logical argument, and that was the approach used. The Bacon proposed going beyond that to testing ideas, testing theories, by what's now called the scientific method. Later on, Ostensky put out a book called Tertium Organum, which was the third level, considering issues of mind and whatnot. In quantum field psychology, I would say is the fourth because it goes beyond all those and creates a whole new theory a whole new science based upon the idea that if the mind is truly energy, it shows there is a substantial basis to see that we are indeed energy beings inside the physical body. That might sound like a heck of a proposal, but a lot backs that up and more is coming out all the time. So it's the first time the complete theory has been put forth which explains the mind as an energy field. So going back to 1561, Bacon's life was an exercise in frustration and enormous creativity. In fact, it's pretty astounding what was happening in his age. This is in the Middle Ages or the latter part of it, so medieval times, where a number of kings before him and whatnot, whom he was related to, it turns out, have been quite tyrannical. 
he grew up in that family, not knowing he was part of the family, so I think that's a great paradox. We'll explain why in a moment. He grew up in this world, this culture of royalty and power, and observed what was going on, observed the contradictions, observed the mess that it was, and his plays he wrote reflect his own life, believe it or not. Pretty amazing. In any case, one of the greatest mysteries of literature has been who wrote those Shakespearean plays. It's been thought for many, many, well, for centuries, that William Shakespeare was not the true author. He came from Stratford upon Avon. He had a fourth grade education. His school did not have an English primer. He was not well versed. I mean, those who knew him in person say he's pretty much of a boob, that he kind of blundered around, drank a lot. A lot of folks did not believe he was the author of the plays. In any case, what happened later was that in the late 1800s, a medical doctor, Orville Owen, memorized all the Shakespearean plays. That's quite a feat. He was driving around the country in his horse and buggy. He was going, doing house calls as a physician of the time. And because he had these long, long rides, he decided to commit to memory all the Shakespearean plays, which he could quote back to people upon request. An amazing memory. In any case, he noticed many out-of-context paragraphs. Many paragraphs didn't fit the general text, were often set aside as well. So he began to wonder, what does this mean? He started to link these texts together and discovered that the plays of Shakespeare were actually a cover text for a cipher biography, a story totally different from the plots around which the plays revolved. So Dr. Detroit was receiving glimpses of a poignant and secret life and it was told in great detail in the same blank verse style typical of the so-called Shakespearean writings. Now, in the system of hers, Elizabeth Wells Gallup discovered another word cipher called a bilateral cipher. So there were two ciphers embedded in the same works of Shakespeare. Well, it turns out that the person creating these was none other than Francis Bacon. He was not truly the son of Nicholas Bacon and his wife, Anne. He actually was adopted by them. He was given to them by his true mother, who was Elizabeth Tudor, who was the first England's so-called virgin queen that she maintained this fiction to maintain her power. She actually married Robert Dudley, her long-term lover, Lord Leicester, four months before Francis was born. Talk about a soap opera, right, but in real life. She'd sculpted the lie that she was a virgin queen because if she admitted that Dudley was her husband, the court would have made him king. There was a disappointment, and even worse, France and Spain had threatened to invade England to return to crown to a Catholic king, which they wanted to do since Henry VIII broke off from the Vatican in the early 1500s and created the Church of England so we could marry Anne Boleyn. In any case, Elizabeth developed the ruse that she was a virgin queen and maintained that adamantly. This ruse had a profound impact upon Francis, whom she denied as her son most of his life. She denied it in public. She made it to him on one occasion when he was 15 years old. She admitted it, she told him, but she told the whole world something totally different. And going back historically, recall we talked about Henry VIII, the son of Henry VII. Henry VII took the crown in 1485 from Richard III at Bosworth and spent years killing all his potential opponents. So again, true life and literature often parallel each other because Bacon's play called Richard III incorporates some of the history of what happened at Bosworth, but also parts of his own life 
told in fanciful story form revealing much of what he went through. In the case, the father of Henry VIII and Henry VII took the crown in 1485 from Richard III at Bosworth, established a Tudor line which lasted until 1603. Now, the son of Henry VII, Henry VIII, became king in 1509, nearly 18 years old, a young king full of vigor. And his first child was named Mary by Catherine of Aragon, his first wife, Catherine of Aragon. He wanted a male child to take the crown when he passed on. So he's not happy with the fact that they were not able to produce a male child. Of course, it was his DNA, not hers, since father terms a generative child. They didn't know that back then. He blamed the wife. Convenient for him, right? Totally unfair. In any case, imagine what she went through, poor Mary, because he eventually put her away into her own palace with she was raised in various schools and whatnot. His first wife, Catherine of Aragon, he eventually renounced. He tried to divorce her via the Vatican. The Vatican blocked him. The Pope would not go along with it. So he eventually put her away in a palace. Mary went to different palaces, raised separately. Couldn't even be her own mother. So it's really unfair to all of them, given the, you know, the predilections of the king. In any case, what happened later was that Catherine of Aragon was poisoned, they believe, by the Boleyn family. It's all another story. In any case, her first child was Mary. Mary was raised by court people and later came to court as an adolescent. But she was in and out of favor constantly because the king kept changing his mind, who he's married to, who he wasn't married to, who was in line, who was not in line. Eventually, of course, married Anne Boleyn, the second wife. And her first child was Elizabeth, who became later Queen Elizabeth. Very, very interesting. So in any case, getting back to the issue of Orville Owen, we discovered that Bacon, Francis Bacon, used a large cipher wheel, really two big wheels, to lay out the pages of the folios of his screenplays. And by lining those up, he could tell the story, the separate story, the cipher story, put into the text. So before that later folio was published, of his plays, he lined all these up to tell his own personal story inside his plays, because he'd been told by his mother, the queen, to never tell anyone, keep it top secret. In any case, Orville Owen built one, per instructions found in the text, and used it to decipher the whole story of Bacon. In fact, then two ciphers were found. So Bacon tells the story that he was born January 22nd, 1561, and given by Elizabeth I, his mother, to Nicholas and Ann Bacon to raise the other way next door to the palace. And Nicholas was a keeper to seal, very important job, because he was totally trusted him, to be honest. He didn't think he stamped with a seal, it was official and great power. In case she made him very, very wealthy, gave him all kinds of you know, lands and so forth. Nicholas had six children by a prior marriage. Then Ann Cook Bacon, his second wife, had Anthony, three years old, and Francis, who was his close friend. And so I was Anthony Cook, a great mentor and teacher to Francis and other royalty. So Francis was born into his, his family, he was getting a great education. His mother Elizabeth denied to the world that he was her son, that she couldn't admit it, without admitting that she was not a virgin, that she actually was married to Robert Dudley. It's a very complicated mess. So Francis had no idea at first. He knew that the queen was always doting upon him. She bounced him on her knee every day and take great care of him and gave him the greatest teachers in the world. 
So she wanted him to have the best education. So he was writing plays by like the age of 10, 12, 14, writing his first plays. By 12 or so, he spoke seven or eight languages fluently. He played just different musical instruments, was an artist, much like his mother Elizabeth. So he's really a brilliant child. He's a gifted child, as was his mother Elizabeth. She was also gifted. So Francis was raised at York House next to the palace by Nicholas and Anne. Bacon's also built a vast summer estate in Gordonbury, a huge mansion out in the country where they would go to. They were tied to the Cecil family. One of the Cook sisters, one of Anne Cook's sisters, Mary William Cecil, built Theobald's a massive estate. These folks had massive, massive wealth because they were taking all the wealth of the country. And in fact, the estate was a quarter of a mile across the front. Can you imagine having a home, a palace, where one side of it is a quarter of a mile long? Pretty amazing, right? about building that. In any case, Francis also go there at times to visit. Two families intermixed. And William Cecil, later Lord Burgley, was very close to the Queen. So think about this. Francis would have a split with the Cecil family later on, which almost destroyed him. But she valued greatly the Cecil family, especially William Cecil, Lord Burgley. That was her trusted minister. So Francis evolved various conflicts with the Cecils, and they plotted against him for many years to keep him from being a king, to be made king. The fact that he wasn't profoundly influenced history. That's part of the story. Profoundly influenced history and the evolution of America. Because Elizabeth gave Robert Dudley the state camel war, so she gave him all kinds of riches and whatnot. She was married to him. They lived in the palace next to each other. Actually, the rooms were next to each other. So Elizabeth was also raised a lot of uncertainty, didn't know if she'd be queen or not. She knew Henry VIII would you know, put her in a crown or what. And she might be killed because her mother, Anne Boleyn, remember, was executed by Henry because she could not produce a male child, plus many false charges were made against her by her enemies in the court. So it was very unstable. So Elizabeth was developing signs, apparently, of paranoia and might have actually become a borderline personality disorder. She had huge mood changes, was uncertain of her identity, had a rejection syndrome. She was easily rejected. She had constant reinsurance about who she was. She had massive blow-ups, huge temper tantrums, ranting, raving. And people around her still would strike. People around her, if her servants, they didn't obey her or give her perfection. If she's just in a bad mood, she often attacked people. She had an enormous temper. If you crossed her for the slightest thing, she might, in fact, take your head and have your head put on a pike around the palace. Anybody who crossed her was quickly executed, much as her father, Henry VIII, had, of course, killed many people, as did his father, Henry VII. So it ran in the family. In any case, he was probably evolving a boy person disorder. Now, many of the plays of Shakespeare or by Bacon reflect these kinds of issues, such as Lady Macbeth, who was involved in a murder, and kept washing her hands, trying to wash the blood off, because she felt guilt. So Bacon was quite a brilliant psychologist, an early psychologist. Before the term existed, he described various characters and whatnot and showed how they became so disordered. He also described many of the key events in history, which influenced the world. And again, it's thought that he wrote his first story around 14 years old, or by 14. So here he was being raised in his family, a very wealthy family, thinking he was one of them, being favored by the queen, greatly, not knowing he's a queen's son until later on, learning many languages, 
doing art, music, all sorts of fascinating things. At 12 years old, he went to Cambridge. He and his brother, Anthony, or actually his adopted brother, who was a true Bacon, he was not, he went to Cambridge and spent a little bit over two years there. He went into the third year. In fact, Cambridge was founded by his grandfather, Henry VIII. Right? It was a big story in itself. In any case, Francis was taught the children should be taught love and kindness. So he, he reflected this later in his writings about treating children properly. Before that, children were often abused, treated with great cruelty and whatnot. They're often abused and sought well, spoiled rod, so forth, or spare a rod rather than spoil a child. So he, of course, argued against that in some of his treatises. So he got a great education, and he also observed the chaos being raised by great wealth and great power, which would easily become out of control. So it helped to evolve better treatment of children down the road. In any case, there's documented evidence that what also happened is when Elizabeth married Dudley, he had to divorce his, or get rid of, his first wife, Amy Robesart. And evidence suggests that perhaps she was assassinated, Amy Robesart was, so that he was free to marry Elizabeth. How that happens, I've been clarified for sure. For sure, it looks suspicious. Being raised in the middle of all this chaos and all this confusion, which from the Matrix, which was helping form his brilliant mind, but also a mind conflicted on many levels, having come from this very disordered family. In case folks are talking today, Dr. Ryan Darren up on Mind Shock about the evolution of our current world as influenced by various luminaries who have formed a higher state of consciousness, as it were, out of the chaos of this world. Looks on various luminaries to show how this process has happened, how it's impacted on the world, and where perhaps we're going down the road. Folks, we have a lot more coming at the Luminary Series. Francis Bacon be back in a moment. Dr. Ron Darren from Mind Shock. This show is brought to you by BarkBox. Free box to all listeners of Mind Shock. Go to BarkBox.com forward slash Mind Shock. Do you ever wonder how the mind works? The Endless Question, a film by Dr. Ron Dalrymple, shows you a new theory of mind, one that bridges the road between spirituality and science while revealing to you the laws of creativity, things that can open up your mind to limitless possibilities. It is literally a theory that changes everything. And once you know it, you can apply it to your own life. View The Endless Question for free on Amazon Prime. The Endless Question on Amazon Prime. ASMC, the premier German company that supplies everything for adventure, from outdoor clothes to outdoor gear, even backpacks. Lots of quality and lots of specials. To start your adventure, go to HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on ASMC. Paradise Found 2015 is a film that sparks of intrigue about the discovery of quantum field psychology. Throw in a sexy spy story, a conflict between father and son against the backdrop of NASA, and interspersed with World War II flashback combat scenes, and you'll be surprised to discover the foundation of a whole new theory of mind. Rent or buy Paradise Lost 2015 at Amazon.com and prepare for the explosive conclusion. That's Paradise Lost 2015 at Amazon.com.
Reach your health and fitness goals. Whether you want to lose weight, learn to dance, build muscle, or just live healthy, Beachbody gives you unlimited access to the nation's most popular fitness and weight loss solutions. Visit our advertiser page and click on Beachbody now. A complete mind development course, The Inner Manager by Dr. Ron Dalrymple, helps you develop your concentration, memory, imagination, and more, all to help you program your mind towards success. But it's not a boring read. You are taken on a journey with a young man who is trying to start his own business and immerses himself into a journey of self-discovery, a powerful book that you can read again and again. Get The Inner Manager by Dr. Ron Dalrymple at Amazon.com. The Inner Manager at Amazon.com. Remember, positive impact. www.healthylife.net. Welcome back, Dr. Ron Dalrymple on Mind Shock, talking today about one of the greatest authors in history, one of the most brilliant minds in history, someone who influenced our modern-day world profoundly, and yet is often not understood, not even recognized. That's Sir Francis Bacon, who, according to various histories we have, is the was a true son, the firstborn, unacknowledged son of Elizabeth I, who was a great queen in many ways. Very famous, probably the best known of the Tudor, Tudor royalty. In any case, evidence shows that, as according to Francis, what he told in his ciphertext was that his mother Elizabeth was perhaps a borderline. He didn't know that term back then, but he described her behavior. She had a very unstable childhood, had a confused identity. Her life was threatened in various ways. She had rapid mood swings, blow-ups, paranoia. There's all components of what's known as a borderline. She grew up around royalty and the greats of the world, all of whom, at least most of whom, knew who he really was. They knew he was the son of the queen, but the public did not. In fact, his mother Elizabeth later had another son, Robert, named Robert Devereux, because she gave him to a different family to raise to maintain her fiction of the Virgin Queen. These two are basically lost children in a sense, or enfants perdus, someone referred them, you know, lost children who were lost because of the secret marriage between Elizabeth and her lover, Lord Leicester. So these two were really victims, in a sense, of that very strange arrangement. There was also the uh, Lord of Essex, so often for Drew's Essex. Descriptions of him characterize him as being perhaps a bipolar, with massive mood swings, periods characterized by great mania, also great depression, who would make great demands upon his mother, marching to court at times, and the man thinks of her. Back in those days, folks, she did not do that of royalty. That could be a death sentence. But he did it. He often had these huge emotional out-of-control moments, much like his mother did. Now, Francis older than him by six years old. They're also very close. And a huge tragedy ensued between them, which I'll get to later on, which is also quite shocking. So Robert was born to Elizabeth I in Dudley, November of 1566, six years after, five and a half years after Francis Bacon. She also gave Walter Devereux, his adoptive father, a new estate in Essex, being the new Earl of Essex for adopting her second son. So in any case, getting back to the lineage of the story, 
she appeared at Gordonberry, the queen did, and sent off her son Francis with his daughter brother Anthony to Cambridge. They studied and whatnot. It's quite interesting that Francis, being quite brilliant, having been trained by some of the greatest minds in the world, went to Cambridge. He did get a great education, right? He said he said it was very boring, very dull, that there were no new ideas there. Basically, he was wrote memory, sit down, shut up, and learn, much like many schools and public schools in the world. When you're told to sit down, shut up, memorize a lot of stuff, and put it back to them, he said teaching people how to think. You know, I talk college, I always emphasize the idea that the most important thing to have people learn how to think for themselves, how to learn how to analyze, how to think creatively, how to look deeper at various issues, how to understand the world, how to think for yourself, how to think freely, how to learn how to think logically, also how to learn how to turn into your emotions, tune into your emotions to give you those types of sensitivities. And also how to develop your creativity, profoundly important. So Francis was very disappointed at Cambridge, very bored by it. In fact, he was experiencing some of the mind control, as it were, put out by the system in those days to stamp out the kind of people they wanted to go out and fill their society. But there were a lot of things happening back then. It was an age of experimental science beginning to appear in the world. It's a time when Galileo, Copernicus, the theories were floating about, Aristotle's theories were just floating about, seeing his theories were moving beyond him, and having much more to it. So Francis, fascinated by science, as the Institute of Staunch Mind Control of the Church. In fact, remember, his grandfather, Henry VIII, rebelled against the Vatican, rebelled against the strict rules of Catholicism, and created the Church of England with his own rules, and made himself the head of the Church. So he was the head of Church and State, and he pushed forth the idea of divine rule, that he was king by divinity's grace. So Francis was rebelling against all this mind control, trying to form his own ideas. Also rebelling against his mother, right? Didn't realize he was his mother quite yet. He found out a little bit later. And also the rigid system he was raised in, brilliant, but also rigid in various ways. Structured, highly structured. And a plague struck, struck London. Francis Anthony went home before the third year was out, back to the court. Here's where a great tragedy occurred in a way. Elizabeth had many ladies at the court whom, of course, flooded around her and whatnot, but wait upon her, and one would have a duty to do this for her, like hold one fan, they would have a duty for this, whatever, hold a mirror for her. She's surrounded by these ladies of court. She had a French counterpart, Catherine de' Medici, who also had none but the prettiest to serve her. We also feed their egos, and they had to be, of course, the prettiest of all. In any case, French described these individuals as living there in a very solitary, alone place, sequestered from all company, but heart-eating melancholy, melancholy, but he must crucify someone. Those are his quotes in his text. He said on one particular day, Francis had an awkward little cousin, Robert Cecil, key figure in Francis' life, Robert Cecil, who was crippled, had a hunchback of sorts, pardon the term, crippled, crippled boy, but also was a very angry boy, apparently very mean-spirited, who would lash out other people viciously because he was attacked and put down. In case the daughter of Lord Scales, allegedly quite frivolous, decided to attack him and tease him. They got him to dance. They danced with him, and because he couldn't move properly because he's, he was crippled, they made fun of him. Very, very cruel. So this poor child was humiliated. He was upset. He was 15, same age as Francis at that point. So he told the girl who attacked him a secret. He told the queen that the girl 
had called the queen a prostitute for having a son of Leicester, Francis. So he lied to the queen about the girl, saying that she called the queen this horrible name, right? And back in those days, of course, it was the worst thing to call someone. And also attacking Francis being born in a wedlock. The queen was enraged. Remember, she had big temper tantrums, possible borderline, and attacked the girl. Well, Francis interceded, tried to save the girl's life from the queen. So his mother, Elizabeth, turned on him cursed him for interfering. And she actually said, you are my son. It's on the cipher, written by Francis. You are my son, but you shall never succeed me. For you then rule all England and me. She had no rule over her. So she admitted to Francis, who was dumbstruck, because remember, Robert Cecil said that he was the son of the queen, the legitimate son of the queen. Well, the queen admitted, Francis, you are my son. The whole court heard it. She was in a rage. She blew up. Apparently, Robert Cecil loved this, according to Francis, who wrote about this later, of course. So he loved it because it gave him information to use to try to destroy Francis. In the case, she also then rejected her son, Francis, said, you will never rule. You'll never be king after me. That was a terrible, terrible mistake, as it turned out. In the case, Cecil loved it. He used against Francis for what he did for the rest of his life. Francis said that she looked at him with malicious hatred because he interfered, because she couldn't stand this, because she was the royalty. She blew up at him and condemned him in that moment out of her rage. And then that reinforced, that was reinforced over the years by Cecil and others to hold Francis from the crown. Folks here today, Dr. Ron Dalrymple on Mind Shock, talking about one of the great psychologists and great writers in history, Sir Francis Bacon, largely unrecognized, largely unknown, impacted the world enormously, which we're going to get into. In just a moment, we're going to take a brief word from our sponsors. We'll be right back, folks. A lot more coming. Here's a fun, stimulating program that can teach you how to develop your own powers of creation. It uses a three-part mind, stimulating approach to get you to develop your own creative thinking. It will help you create a powerful self-image and helps you see how you can take creative action. You'll develop your thinking power and your skills, and you can do this in eight days. Get Dr. Ron Dalrymple's book, Eight Days to Creative Power, on Amazon.com. Overcome your problems with the step-by-step guide. So get Eight Days to Creative Power on Amazon.com. Get high-quality glasses, sunglasses, and prescription lenses at eyeglasses.com. Choose from over 250,000 items and 400 brands. Already have frames? Get replacement lenses. It's easy. Go to our advertiser page and click eyeglasses.com. A complete mind development course, The Inner Manager by Dr. Ron Dalrymple, helps you develop your concentration, memory, imagination, and more, all to help you program your mind towards success. But it's not a boring read. You are taken on a journey with a young man who is trying to start his own business and immerses himself into a journey of self-discovery. A powerful book that you can read again and again. Get The Inner Manager by Dr. Ron Dalrymple at Amazon.com. The Inner Manager at Amazon.com. Reach your health and fitness goals. Whether you want to lose weight, learn to dance, build muscle, or just live healthy, Beachbody gives you unlimited access to the nation's most popular fitness and weight loss solutions. Visit our advertiser page and click on Beachbody now. 
Do you ever wonder how the mind works? The Endless Question, a film by Dr. Ron Dalrymple, shows you a new theory of mind, one that bridges the road between spirituality and science while revealing to you the laws of creativity, things that can open up your mind to limitless possibilities. It is literally a theory that changes everything, and once you know it, you can apply it to your own life. View The Endless Question for free on Amazon Prime. The Endless Question on Amazon Prime. HealthyLife.net, the positive radio network. Welcome back, Dr. Ron Dalrymple and Mind Shock. Talking to you about one of the great psychologists, one of the great writers, one of the great thinkers and philosophers of all history, Sir Francis Bacon, who created Novum Organum, created a scientific method, who wrote by these various resources these Shakespearean plays, who helped create America, the foundation of America as a free country, impacted the world in massive, massive ways, little known today. In any case, He's 15, there's a blow-up in court. His true mother, the queen, was the first, was indignant. He interfered with her striking a child who insulted her, striking a girl at the same age. She says, and you are my own born son, but you, though truly royal of a flesh, a masterly spirit, because he's brilliant, shall rule nor England, nor your mother, nor reign over subjects yet to be. I bar from succession forevermore, my best beloved firstborn. Now think about this. So she admitted to him for the first time, and she admitted in court that he was her son. You know, this in a soap opera, in a film form, right? You know how shocking this would be. You might have seen various films about Elizabeth. This part was never included, of course. This is very, very secret. Came out more recently, in any case. So she blows up at him. She condemns him. She says, you are my firstborn. You are beloved. You are brilliant. You know, I love you totally, but you can never be king. She must maintain her fiction. In any case, he was devastated. He was shocked. He didn't know what to do. She then, in a few days, sent him to Paris, where he spent three years at the royal court, where he met Princess of Nevers, which we'll cover later on, but he met the princess, whom to him is very beautiful. She was 23. He was 15. He fell in love with her. She was quite a brilliant person. She was a poet, a musician, a writer also, spoke many languages, and she was even then as a princess, the queen of the court, as it were, because people came all over the world, over Europe, to be in Paris, to be the French court, because it was a center of the artistic world at that time. In Berkeley, there was a whole new renaissance of thought and ideas. You just the world through France between 15 and 18, and the opportunity of going there was greatly impressed and profoundly influenced by what he experienced. So he met all these philosophers and people from around the world, and he was quite brilliant himself. Like when he first met the king, he spoke to the king in perfect French. The king was kind of stunned because it was perfect accent and whatnot. And also he's very witty and very sharp-spirited because he was raised in the court by his mother to be very witty. And also his adopted father, Nicholas, is going to be a very witty kind of guy. In any case, he spent three years there in the court, being treated like royalty because he was. He never knew that before. So imagine a shock to his system. So they all knew who he was, of course. The courts of the world knew what was going on. Because gossip spreads very quickly. There's a court system. The general public was not told. It was all kept secret under pain of death from Elizabeth. If anyone talked about that, they'd lose their head. And she meant it. 
in case he spent years there, and he brought back to London not just new philosophies, but also the Masonic and the Rosicrucian teachings. Now, these are more the secret teachings going back many thousands of years, according to various sources, especially Rosicrucian teachings. Masonic teachings are more about living a good life, walking a higher path. They're about developing character, being authentic, being true to your word, taking care of orphans, widows and orphans and whatnot, which means the poor, helping the poor, doing the right thing. When you make a note, you keep it. So to build a solid foundation to society, Rosicrucian works are more about the deeper metaphysical concepts, who we are as spiritual beings, who we truly are spiritual in nature, we have a spiritual heritage and destiny. So he brought back these fascinating ideas to London and started forming lodges over time. He started to form Masonic and Rosicrucian lodges, which greatly influenced later on the evolution and development of America. Really fascinating. So in any case, here he came from this, this world of chaos, which influenced him in his writings, like I said. Remember, there's a lot of deaths, a lot of killing went on and so forth. His other relatives were probably poisoned, such as Edward VI. After Henry died in 1547, he had a son. He had had a son by Jane Seymour, his third wife, his only male heir who ruled for six years between the ages of 9 and 15, 1547 1563, six years, then died, probably poisoned. He thought he probably was. Then Mary took the throne, the daughter of Catherine of Aragon, to bring back Catholicism to England, and she burned the stake many people who fought her, tried to hang on to Church of England, so you can imagine the chaos growing and building how it's incubated into the mind and the fears of Elizabeth, who then influenced Francis. Mary ruled for five years only. Probably she was poisoned as well. And this Bloody Mary. In fact, she had put Elizabeth in a tower of London for two months at one point. Elizabeth was terrified, terrified of being killed, paranoid. And then she ran to Robert Dudley, her man she knew for some time. He got more deeply involved. In fact, allegedly got married for the first time by a priest who smuggled into the tower. They were actually married. In any case, she was absolutely terrified, thought she was going to die. Because remember, her mother, Anne Boleyn, had been killed by Henry, right? So certainly her sister Mary might kill her as well. Now, Queen Mary cannot produce a male heir. So her husband, King Philip II of Spain, left her and returned to Spain. And she died after five years, as I mentioned, probably poisoned. So Elizabeth became queen in 1558. Ruled until 1603. She was the last of a Tudor line. But she looked like Henry VIII. She was... High-handed, flamboyant, had rich blonde hair, kind of pale face, massive mood swings, kind of rejection syndrome, borderline personality disorder. And she also assured she had been called to be queen as an instrument of God. That she had been miraculously and mercifully saved from lion's den, as had the prophet Daniel. Because remember in the tower, she thought she was going to be killed. She thought it was all over. Remember also that Henry, by her father, they believe that he was divinely graced or had the divine right to be king, so she also thought she had divine right to be queen. In any case, so Francis came back to London, rejected by his mother. Remember, she went through all this turmoil herself. She's very capricious. He comes back to London, and she greets him back in a capricious manner. Again, will not acknowledge publicly who he was. So, again, she rejected him as her son, or she admitted it before, and she forced him to go into law 
as his coverage. Here's this guy who's a brilliant writer, a brilliant artist, speaks many languages. He wants to write. He wants to create. He knows now he's in line to be king. She's told him he never will be king. Now she's making him be a lawyer, which is more of a dream and trade back then, some people did, to make a, a decent living and so forth. In those days, especially because the vast majority of folks were totally poor until slave status. This is a profession to be in, so he could have gotten by reasonably. And she could also help finance him secretly a little bit, like she helped pay for his law school and went out of Gray's Inn, famous place there for young lawyers to be. In case she asked Grace Hall, he's miserable as a law student. He's boring. He liked he was like Hamlet, who was lost in life and pondering life versus death. Remember to be or not to be, that's the question, right? Hamlet, a young man. So remember all the stories reflected his own life. Read about his own journey through life, his own turmoils and conflicts, and into a fictional status, which of course a lot of writers do. In case folks are talking today about one of the great luminaries of history, Sir Francis Bacon, who helped change the world profoundly. Take a brief break from our sponsors. We'll be right back with more. More to come. Paradise Found 2015 is a film that sparks of intrigue about the discovery of quantum field psychology. Throw in a sexy spy story, a conflict between father and son against the backdrop of NASA, and interspersed with World War II flashback combat scenes, and you'll be surprised to discover the foundation of a whole new theory of mind. Rent or buy Paradise Lost 2015 at Amazon.com and prepare for the explosive conclusion. That's Paradise Lost 2015 at Amazon.com. If you want USA and worldwide car rentals, choose rentacar.com. Free cancellations on most bookings, no hidden charges. They are trusted by over 4 million customers. Visit our advertiser page and click on the Rent-A-Car banner. Do you ever wonder how the mind works? The Endless Question, a film by Dr. Ron Dalrymple, shows you a new theory of mind, one that bridges the road between spirituality and science while revealing to you the laws of creativity things that can open up your mind to limitless possibilities. It is literally a theory that changes everything, and once you know it, you can apply it to your own life. View The Endless Question for free on Amazon Prime. The Endless Question on Amazon Prime. This is Jack Maher from the band Feed the Kitty. It's important to support the artists you love, and you can do that and get something authentic for yourself. Rock.com has the most coveted, licensed merchandise of music, culture, and entertainment. So go to the advertiser page and click on Rock.com now. Quantum Field Psychology 2nd Edition is an astounding book on the new theory of mind. It is the first unified field theory that incorporates the influence of the mind and emotion on physical reality, the universe, and even other minds. It actually integrates all modern psychology with quantum physics, mathematics, Western, and Eastern spiritual beliefs. It's the true bridge between science and spirituality. Get your copy of Quantum Field Psychology, second edition, by Dr. Ron Dalrymple on Amazon.com. Radio your way. HealthyLife.net.
folks. Welcome back. Dr. Ron Dalrymple on Mind Shock. Talking today about one of the great geniuses of history, Mr. Francis Bacon, who had to live in anonymity, totally secret, and yet produced works to profoundly change the world. He didn't take credit for it. Credit was taken by others. His influence upon the evolution of America, and therefore much of the world after that, was profound. In case he's back at Grace Hall, studying to be a lawyer, miserable. He started to write more plays than he wrote a number of plays while he was there. He was like Hamlet, one of his characters, who was lost in pondering lifer's death. So at times he was very depressed, very bleak, like his mother, Elizabeth. Also had periods of depression, members of borderline, which he probably was. She had periods of great anxiety, great fear, great guilt, great mania, feeling rejected, feeling depressed. There's all kinds of phases. Borderlines go through all these different phases because they have a very unstable identity within. They aren't sure who they are. They have rejection syndrome. So they feel easily rejected. <clears throat> Pardon me. Easily rejected. So he was, he was subjected to this in many ways. And at one point at Grace Hall, he was very depressed. And he's kind of speaking out. And he, he sings sort of voice speak to him. Many folks have this kind of experience, like a transcendental spiritual experience, where he felt a voice talking to him, saying that he had a great purpose in life, he had a great destiny to fulfill, he should just carry on. So one could argue he was accessing his higher mind, the higher self within we often talk about in quantum field psychology. One conclusion we came to is that we are spiritual beings inside a physical body. Makes perfect sense scientifically. The book was published in 2004 and integrates all the major fields of psychology together under a new paradigm combining quantum physics, mathematics, create this new field called quantum field psychology. We made a film about it called The Endless Question. To our documentary available on Amazon. So check that out, folks. A lot of information there about the idea making perfect sense scientifically that we are far more than just these physical bodies. Other books are Eight Days of Creative Power to Tap into Your Creative Energy, The Inner Manager, The Journey a Young Man Takes to Discover Himself and His Great Potential Within, I Love You, God, Aphorisms About the Higher Power. Another one of the books Mind Games People Play is on our website www.drrondalrimple2.com. Mind games people play are all around us. The mind games that go on in politics are, of course, profound. In the case, Francis, you know, was accessing the higher mind. We often talk about in quantum field psychology. We talked on the show to a lot of different authors and whatnot. And made the point that there's a higher self within, our true self, and that true self is a source of profound inspiration and ideas and insights when you tune to it. Profound source of light we all can tune into, actually and bring down into this world. This is what he was doing. When he was accessing his muse, he called the higher self his muse. Francis, when he was writing, he created a writer's group there, some 15, 20 writers who procured great works of the world eventually. He found it by going to a deep state of concentration. He was accessing that higher mind. He can do it through meditation, through relaxation, through self-hypnosis. A lot of ways to go into that deeper self. Or... You do it through deep concentration. Like I was studying mathematics and physics and psychology, there's a deep state concentration. These higher ideas hit me. They all fit together and made perfect sense. He was accessing these as a writer and also as a scientist. His writing is quite brilliant. He's never read Shakespeare. It is really quite brilliant poetry with brilliant ideas. And again, he was a true psychologist and philosopher. He got these from that higher source, which we all can access. The point is we all can access that higher source and bring it into this world which you need to do today, especially because the world is in such chaos. Now, he had various allies to help him, 
Remember, he had his brother, who's his true blood brother, Robert Devereaux, born of Elizabeth and Dudley, and then given to the Devereaux family in adoption, six years younger than Francis. He also has his adopted brother, Anthony Bacon, three years older than he is, and they were very close friends. So he had allies. We're also involved in his writer's groups. So what happened was in 1577, Burgley sent for Robert to live to Theobald's. He went to court to meet Elizabeth. So he was just a kid meeting his true mother, not knowing he was his mother, in case he was known to be a little bit arrogant and whatnot, because he believed himself so much. Again, bipolar. Meanwhile, Francis joined a writer's group called Arapagus, a group of writers, with Philip Sidney and others, famous writers were part of it, so he recognized in him the creative genius. He took, you know, took charge of these groups, as it were, because he was at a higher level of creativity than most of them. Again, he sowed deceased for Rosicrucian order and Masonic orders. He formed a society of greys of the Honorable Order of the Knights of the Helmet, it's called. Now, Athena was her model. And she was also known as a spear shaker or Shakespeare. I mean, the source of the name he used, he doubted name he used as a writer or the pseudonym. And his team of writers that he led helped bring about the Renaissance from Europe, from mainland to England, which of course later spread to America. She was accessing that higher mind, which you all can access. In fact, in our book on creativity, Eight Days of Creative Power, we talk about how to access your deeper mind within and bring it forth. It's always there for you. Those ideas are always there, always waiting. They're, they're within at higher frequencies for you to shift up or raise up your conscious mind, your ego mind, to be able to access them and have those flow through into your life. which can help change your life and, of course, also change the world. So in any case, he went on with his life, becoming a lawyer and whatnot, and gaining slow acknowledgement and kind of treading along, knowing he should be you know, living life of royalty. He saw all these other kids around him, these dukes, these children of dukes and earls and whatnot, given all kinds of honors and riches and positions and whatnot, given estates. And here he is, knowing that he's the king to be, the next king in line, trudging along, living a journeyman's type life, working a job that someone could have had who was not born to royalty. So he had some resentments about this, some fears about this, some uncertainties. In fact, he was elected to Parliament, Bacon was, in 1581, at 20 years old. Again, 1584, so again, a gifted person, elected to Parliament, where he again made contacts, did public speaking, got involved in the politics of the world. Now, some interesting changes came along where his father, Robert Dudley, died at 56 years old, just after the victory was established over the Spanish Armada. This is in 1588. A huge turn in history came then, because Spanish had ruled the seas. Remember, we talked before in other shows about how Spanish Portuguese invaded America initially. Within 10 years of 1492, they'd stolen the gold and silver of many, many Native Americans, and it killed some 100,000 people in 10 years. That was their initial entree to Americas. They went on traveling throughout the southern, Amer southern United States, which was now the United States. Central America and South America killing people, creating genocide, and stealing the gold and silver, which then shipped back to Europe. Offered stories of great galleons lost at sea, but most of them made it back, no doubt. So great wealth flowed back into the coffers of Philip and whatnot to Spain. So Spain became a vast power. 
They ruled the seas and had vast armies. Okay, so much money coming in, taken from the Americas. In any case, Spanish Armada was a huge fleet, which in those days ruled the seas. We'll talk more about it next time, folks, how that was all defeated. In any case, the point here is that Bacon went through these very tumultuous times, which helped form his mind, and he had much to write about because he wrote about philosophy and psychology to people in his world. So his books are lessons about the psychology of human nature, what can conflict people and hold us back and also how to rise above it. He also gave the world scientific method. He gave the world a lot of influences and talk more about how he sent many emissaries to the U.S. to the Masonic Lodges and British Christian Lodges to help found America. And these folks and their descendants and the people he formed around them, how create the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, Declaration of Independence, and so forth. That was all set in motion, in part, by Bacon with his brilliant influence. So, folks, check out these ideas and works. Our concepts revolve around the idea of quantum field psychology, a very whole new paradigm about the mind working as an energy field. Shows how it makes perfect sense. We also talk about the fact that you've got great power inside of you. So our works are about how to tap into that power, how to use it, how to bring it forth. We should all need to say more than ever in this profoundly chaotic world. They need our help. So, folks, great talking to you. We love you all. Talk to you next week. Dr. Ron Darump on Mind Shock. Signing off.